I want to focus on verse 18, but let me read those couple of verses for us. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Amen. This is January, and I wanted to lay some uh, foundations for our church. These are the basic things, but more fundamental things that we are familiar with, but we need to be reminded of them often. So a few weeks ago, we talked about God's providence. By giving the decree through Caesar Augustus, God fulfilled Micah 5.2. All of us, we live in the providence of God and it should comfort us. Second week, we talked about grace and glory. God gives His grace not to help our lives so much. God gives us grace so that we could hear His gospel to the glory of God. And last week, we talked about the calling here, as you have read. This is Paul speaking, but through Paul to us. What his calling was and what our calling is in this present age, what is it? But to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of church. And I wanted to talk about verse 18 today. Evangelism doesn't simply happen because we understand the importance of it. We all know that is important. We need to be equipped. We need to practice often. And we as a church, we need to have some organizations. But when you think about personal evangelism, For him, preaching of the gospel. For me, yes, publicly. But all of us, we must engage in that preaching of the cross of Christ. But when you think about it, I believe the feelings play very important role. What do you mean in this way? If the behavior of a non-Christian makes you so angry, will you be able to share the gospel? If someone that you know, or not, you do not know, but someone non-Christian is very hostile to you, and he or she makes you threatened or makes you embarrassed, how will you share the gospel? So when you think about it, we need to have right emotional response to the world at large. And how are we going to know that? We need to have Right knowledge of what the world looks like, what the world is, so that we could have right expectation. Right knowledge of God, right expectation from God. We need to know what the world is, so that we may expect right things from the world. 
And how do we know that from God's revelation? Verse 18 is the focus today. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Before we go on, let me explain this question. Is the word of cross, as you have just read, is it in and of itself foolishness, is my question. Is the cross, the gospel, is it foolishness? We are so used to the phrase in 1 Corinthians that God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe, or because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, we sometimes think, we sometimes wrongly think that the gospel is foolishness. And we shouldn't be ashamed, though it is foolishness, but we shouldn't be ashamed, and but we should, we should still share the gospel. But you must understand that Paul often uses sarcasm, especially in Corinthians, to rebuke the Corinthian Christians. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, same Corinthians 4.10 says this. He says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. And you may think he is really saying they are wise. He says, We are weak, but you are strong, he says. But if you look up that verse commentary, what, what is he saying? I looked up John MacArthur's study Bible, 1 Corinthians 4.10. Fools and wise, he says, again using sarcasm, this time on himself, as if, as if mimicking the attitude of the proud Corinthians toward him, Paul rebukes them. What he is saying, Apostle Paul is saying is, when he says, you are wise, he is in fact rebuking them, you are not wise. You are fools. Oh, you are so strong, Corinthians. But in fact, he's saying, no, you are not strong. Because you boast your strength. So Paul is rebuking them. So sarcasm. What is sarcasm? It is the use of irony to mock or convey the contempt. So to use sarcasm to rebuke someone, you have to contrast Perception and the reality. Perception is false reality. For example, in that verse, they are wise and we are fools. That's the perception. That's their perception. Reality is reverse. They are fools. We are wise. So sarcasm does that. Flip-flops those two. So with that, if you read verse 18 again, for the word of the cross is foolishness. He's not saying the gospel is foolish. How could it be? It is not. But to those who are perishing. Cross is foolishness to them. It looks like foolishness to them. To whom? To the ones who are perishing. But the same word of the cross is to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 
So what he is saying is the cross, if cross is foolishness, it is because they are perceiving it. Who are? Those who are perishing. It is their perception of the gospel. To them, it is foolishness. That's false understanding and that's false reality that the lie has created for them. But the truth is what? Truth, true reality is the second half of verse 18. What is the true reality? It is that the gospel is the power of God. That's the truth. And because it is truth, it is the reality. But for those who are perishing, for them, from their perspective, the cross looks like, sounds like foolishness. So what is reality? Reality is that the gospel is the power of God. That is the reality. And all of us Christians who have received this information through the revelation of God, we need to know that. When you see the world, when you see and hear the news, when you see people around you, you have to see what the reality is defined by God, created by God. That is, the cross is power of God. Cross is not foolishness, not to us. To the people who are perishing, for them, yes. So, how does the world perceive the cross? Foolishness, then you have to do a word study. So I look that word up, foolishness. That foolishness is the word Maria. And if you have heard any sermon on this verse, probably you have heard a preacher saying Maria, where you get the word moron, English word. And they just move on. So I wanted to know what that word really, fully means. And Maria means these following things. And I want you to uh, listen. TDNT, the big dictionary says this. The Maria, when the cross is foolishness, what are they, how are they perceiving it? Physical or intellectual deficiency in animals or men, in their conduct or actions, also in things. The word can refer to physical sloth or dullness, but its main reference is to the intellectual life. So if the cross is foolishness, they are intellectually rejecting it. The word expresses the impossibility of understanding. Intellectually, it does not make sense. It's just, they just do not have capacity to process the gospel. God, man coming in man's form, dying on the cross, all of that, they cannot understand intellectually. They are, it is impossible for them to process that. That's what they are hearing, foolishness. That's why our confession is what? What convinces us? Why are you listening to this, the Word of God? Because it is the inward walk of the Holy Spirit that 
who is bearing witness by and with the word. And God has applied his own spirit to us. That's why we are understanding this. The word, Maria, it is implied that there is not just a deficiency or mere stupidity or irrationality which would not occur if there had been a better equipment, mental equipment, but that man is controlled by a power which confuses his understanding. And his example is like anger. If you are extremely ang- angry at one point, you, are, you become irrational. Likewise, when the cross is preached and people reject it, it does not make sense, it cannot make sense, Intellectually, and it is control. Something is controlling their mind. This Maria foolishness. If you look at any Old Testament, you know what "fool" means in the Old Testament. For us, "fool" means very weak sense of someone not so intelligent. But in the Old Testament, if a word says you are a fool, a fool is an atheist. Fool is to be condemned under the wrath of God. It is not a weak word. So the ability to judge rightly is a gift of God, that dictionary says. And also, interesting thing was, do you remember in Matthew how if, you, if one loses its saltiness, if the salt loses its saltiness, it will be thrown out, trampled upon, that losing saltiness is the same word. It has nothing to do with salt. But it actually becomes, it is becoming irrational. It is becoming moria. The salt is becoming moria. Losing its own uh, saltiness, the, the essence of it. Now, putting that together, that dictionary information together, the fallen people, Unchristians, non-Christians, when they hear the word preached about the gospel of Jesus church, it is Moria. They cannot, they will not. Something else is controlling their mind. Why? Apostle Paul says he gives only one reason. The cross is Moria to those who are perishing. Even though dictionary has many different reasons, he, according to Paul, spokesperson of God, he says the reason why the cross is foolishness, people cannot process, is because of who they are. What's happening to them? What is happening to them? That they are perishing. That is why. That's the main reason. And that word, I looked it up again, who are perishing, in these days, when you use the word perish, it's like meat going bad. You leave it outside and it is perishing. It goes bad. But the word really means destroy, ruin, kill. So the word of the cross is Maria to those who are being destroyed. Idea is by God, by their own sinfulness, as we have read from the confession. It is their spiritual condition that hinders them from understanding what the cross of Christ truly is. What is it? It's the power of God. That's the reality, true reality. But for them, it is 
foolishness. Why? If you ask. Not because they do not have intellectual capacity. It's not because they have socioeconomic difference. It's not because it's culturally difficult or different. It is not ethnic, but it is spiritual. So what do they do? Those who are being destroyed, what do they do when they perceive the cross? For them, it is Maria foolishness. But they react to it. They don't simply say, well, that's a foolish thing. I'm not going to consider it. But according to Romans, what do they do? They suppress it. They suppress the truth. And they become futile in their speculations. They profess to be wise. But they become fools. Not only that, they go one step farther and they exchange. Remember that verb? They exchange the glory of God with this image in the form of creatures. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. So they just don't simply sit there and say, Oh, that's a foolish story. That's fable. They don't say that. They go step farther to suppress the truth. Suppress the charge. Suppress your voice. They all do that and they worship idols. So what does God do to them? Romans 1 says three times the same verb. Therefore, God gave them over. God does not have to create fresh evil in them. They are already wicked, dead in sin. So all that God has to do is to hand them over. Let them be. Let them continue as they are. That's why I said earlier, London Confession says it a bit better. They go a step farther. What do they do? Gospel is the reality. God is not religious facts. How you treat the gospel affects your entire life. How you live, how you talk, what you buy, what you dress, how you hang out with, how you spend your weekend. Everything is affected by how you treat the gospel. And some of the ways that Bible says is they are filled with all unrighteousness. You look at them. It is not simply I reject the truth. But they are filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, haters of God, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, and so on. Galatians 5, 19, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, and so on. As on the pinning of sexual perversion. So people who reject the gospel, they are not simply irreligious, but they do all of that uh, by exchanging the glory of God with fallen creatures. And they have to feed their own fallen nature. Right. That's the condition of the world. As we now have heard and know, it's true condition The question is now then, how can anyone save them? If that's what they are, who they are, 
How can you go out and convert someone? It is our duty. How are you going to do that? If they are dead in their trespasses and sins and they are now being destroyed, perishing, and, and the gospel church is all nonsense to them, and not only that, they persecute, they suppress, they exchange. How are you going to evangelize them? Then you understand the second half of verse 18. You understand now why Paul's favorite word in describing the gospel, look with me, but to us, truth and true reality, to us, what is it? To us who are being saved, the gospel, the word of the cross is what? The power of God. It's foolishness that he should say it is the wisdom of God. He says that actually later on. But his favorite word in describing the gospel is power of God. Here, Romans 1, 4, who was Jesus Christ, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Corinthians 4, 20, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Yes, that dunamis, power, might, strength, force, ability, capability. You cannot, I cannot, but God can is the point. You cannot fix dead person. And I believe that favorite word, the reason why Paul always describes the gospel as power is because he has seen it. He was an evangelist. He went around the world. Think about it. Nobody has ever heard about the gospel church for a century. And then he's planting churches, going around the cities and building churches. How? Over and over again, he preaches the gospel. Vast majority of people reject the gospel, but there are few chosen in the city that God has already elected and they come to Christ. So for him, gospel, the word of the cross is foolishness to all of those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, those who are elected, predestination is the power of God. It is powerful that their spiritual deadness is converted into life. By the work of the Holy Spirit. And the word is preached. And they respond. To that gospel. They receive it. And they come to Christ. And they are changed. What is gospel is? They're powerful. Have you had any in your family. Has someone recently passed away? If you see someone who's in bed, or if you have seen someone, not in the funeral, but someone who just died, it is one of those days that you come to realize what we talk about in the church is not some theology or doctrine. You've got to ask yourself, you're telling me the gospel of Jesus Christ will raise that dead person. 
Then you realize what the power is. Don't you know I've been to Houston? I've witnessed my mother-in-law bedridden. And I'm thinking, for all this talk, theology, cross, you nod until you realize you are going to die. You'll be buried deep in the ground, dead, cold, turning to dust. And what God has revealed to us is that the gospel of Christ saves. Not go to heaven simply, but dead men rising. God will raise them up just as Christ has been raised by God through the Holy Spirit. That's the power. We're talking about that power. So power lies not in your arguments, not in your intellectual ability, not so much in your faithfulness. All of, they, all of those are required and it will be good to have. But the power of God resides in His Word through the work of the Holy Spirit. So, I know uh, I'm going to spend just a few minutes just briefly talk about don'ts and do's. If we have that correct knowledge, what can you expect from the world? First of all, for Christians, don't be surprised or alarmed when they reject the gospel as Maria and they reject you, the messenger. It's nothing personal, really. They are rejecting Christ and you are lower than Christ. Your servants do loy of Christ. So if they reject you and if they ridicule you, they mock you, you shouldn't be surprised or alarmed and be angry at them. If you're angry at them, very difficult to share the gospel. So know that they consider it to be foolishness. So don't be surprised or alarmed. Second, don't be fooled into thinking that their rejection is purely intellectual. It is spiritual. What's working in their minds? 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, The God of this age, that is the devil, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Something else is at work. They are not so much disagreeing with you, but disobeying the call. So third, don't be discouraged. Okay? Don't be surprised. Don't be fooled. Don't be discouraged. Do's then. This, this really was the heart of the message. This day and age, everybody's so mad. Right? So mad. And it is very difficult for anybody to express anything. That's why we talked about pride last week. And pride will cause division. And all of you need to humble yourselves. All of us. But. Chief attitude that you must have in your heart. Chief one. The main one. The the main thing that you must have. Is you need to remember that you are once like them. They are the enemies of Christ. Psalm 139, Do I not hate those who hate you? Our relationship with the fallen world is complicated, did you know? It is not just one word that could describe. If you say they are the enemies of Christ, what are you going to do? You fight with them. 
You demonize them. How can we then carry out the great commission? Yes, they are enemies of God. They are the enemies of Christ. You need to know that. But there are multiple complex relationships that we have with the fallen world. So you cannot simply say, they are all enemies of God. Let them go to hell. Then how, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. How does Apostle Paul say? Philippians 3.18, he says this, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. You know what the difference between this world, this present age, majority Christians' attitude and Paul's attitude? They consider non-believers as enemy of Christ. This age, with animosity, pure hatred. Apostle Paul, he's weeping as he sees them as the enemies of Christ. That's the difference. And we have something to learn. So we need to be compassionate. That's their condition. But we were once like them. And the reason why we are sitting here is because of the grace of God. So we need to be compassionate to the enemies of Christ. That's the right attitude. We need to then keep talking about the cross because the word of the cross is foolishness. Word. We need to do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4.5 As for you, always... Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's right. That's what we should do, or don't, and do. We need to recognize them as who they are, as described in the Bible. But because we were once like them, but saved by the grace of God, We need to have some tears in our own hearts as we look unto them. If you are one of those people who are not convinced, according to this Bible verse, I do not have to be God to know who you are. If you treat the gospel, the cross, as foolish or foolishness, then it tells me you are one of those who are perishing. That's a warning, but at the same time hope. You are in the process of perishing, but not yet complete. So before that process is completed and sealed, it is God's call to you just by virtue of hearing this message. God is speaking to you to run to Him, to the cross of Christ, to cling to it for your salvation. We are a conservative church. Whatever that means. But conservatism, by and large, as I perceive it, is full of, once again, mockery, anger, pure hatred. But if you have cross in your heart, we cannot be like that. May God give us grace, There are so many things that we need to do this year, personally, family-wise, and so on. But let us not lose sight 
of great commission that God has given us. And let the word of the cross continue to prove to be the power of God in your own life, in your own family's life, and in our church's life. Let God bless you as you pursue His glory through salvation of sinners. Let's pray.